You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I am obviously not Corey Munson. He is off doing Iowa stuff. Um, I believe Liam is in the process of moving. No, he is. He he packed up his car. He packed up his like '92 Corolla. I don't I don't know what he drives, but let's just say it's given given what I know he was paid this season. He's he's got to be driving some '92 Corolla with like really cancer paint, you know, and uh, and he's just. He said he was going to hit up some Civil War battlefields. He's kind of a skinny person, so he also said he was going to eat a lot. Uh, I, if he's driving fast, he might be, uh, you know, might be in Virginia right now. Um, but uh, yeah, he'll he's he's moving back to Massachusetts. Don't worry, he's going to be involved in another MLR team apparently. Um, I think, I, I think uh, it sounds like it. Uh, I mean, it's the room, it's the river Chicago podcast. Yeah. Right. I used to do that Texas to New York drive every once in a while. I guess he's going a little further, but Liam, if uh, you're out there, you need truck stop recommendations. Let me know. <laughs> uh, so now that we talked about people who aren't here, I am Josh Freden. I am living in Denver, Colorado. Currently. I will also be in the comments. Aaron is in Arizona. Craig is so graciously joining us from the Runner Sports um, at American RFC on Twitter. Uh, Craig is in New York. So, guys, how's it been? You know, uh, so I had a race on the 14th. It, I, I could talk about all the things that went shittily uh, on the during that race, but uh, you know, I spent the week, you know, recovering, rebuilding um, my fitness because I got half Ironman at the end of the month. And then I was supposed to go on a long ride with, it was supposed to be a long hill repeat ride. And my rear derailleur was out of alignment. So it's kind of a malleable piece of aluminum that bends the hanger itself. And because of that, I was ghost shifting and took it into the shop. And the guys goes, uh, and Corbin goes, you got, you gotta be careful. This like, these things are very fragile. And you know, he been work. He'd been talking to some. Oh man, if you ever want to talk to someone, talk to a bike mechanic about how uh, about how people are stupid, and then come in and want the bike mechanic to fix stuff. So this guy had basically ridden his race wheels flat, like while they were flat, and cracked the wheels, and was hoping that Corbin could fix the wheels or warranty them. And it's like so. So for perspective, it's like buying a used, it's buying a used Ferrari, right? With st- that has like still stock everything, and then driving it out to the desert and popping the wheels, popping the tires, and then riding onto those rims until they get cracked, and then going back to a Ferrari dealer and asking them to warranty stuff. I was like, oh. I thought you guys managed cars. That's a, that's a, I mean, that, 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 it was, a, it's a bike stuff, but like, that's basically what he was doing, what he was doing. Like, uh, I was like, oh my gosh. And I just, so basically he takes this rear derailleur uh, alignment tool, puts it on the bench, 
and spends 20 seconds and everything's fixed and you know i'm just an idiot so uh that's that's what i did last week well i did none of that uh i've been on vacation for the last about three weeks now um mostly off the grid uh this weekend i i made my return to civilization but i spent a week out in Maine, up at a lake, a lake called Mooseluk McGuntic, believe it or not. And um, then a week in Topsfield, uh, Massachusetts. So just just back. And then I've spent this last week moving into my new place, which you can uh, see around me. So I've been sort of off the grid. Uh, if anyone does follow me on Twitter, I don't think I've tweeted in like a month. But I'm back now, ready for some rugby. Aaron, I, I know you won't care, but I've been suffering for from a heat wave for the past week. <laughs> Dude, it's gonna be a high of like ninety. Shut the heck up on Saturday when when we get when when I see Josh for for this test. It's like that's like perfect weather, man. It's sixty five is the low and ninety is the high. You know what the high was today? One hundred and ten. Eat shit and die. Okay. Jeez. Oh man. All right. For those new to the podcast, um, each Monday night during the Major League Rugby season, we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby and the United States Professional Rugby. It's a chance to look at the issues, hear from the league, players, and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene, which we are doing so more today. That said, Eric, what do we cover? So, uh, you know, player signings for San Diego, New Orleans, and Atlanta, although uh, for some reason I didn't bring in all the Atlanta ones, but you've kind of seen them. But So I think we've sort of covered those, at least on Twitter, but we're going to do a roundup of New Orleans and San Diego. And then uh, Craig and I are just going to have a discussion about the Pacific Nations Cup, some sort of uh, World Cup thoughts as well later on in the show. Uh, but, yeah, um, let's get into it. Uh, so for team updates, San Diego. Oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, that for for new people, uh, Stefan Armitage, he's leaving Pau. Uh, he's played for Toulon. He was a European Player of the Year in 2014. Uh, he is England number 1310. Uh, when it comes to he's a he's about 510, and he's a beast at the breakdown. Uh, he's he's one of those open sides that you would call a breakdown artist. He just is so quick. Uh, at stealing balls away after the tackle that it's just really intense. Uh, then you've got Dominic Day, uh, Wales number 1119. Um, he is coming in from Saracens. A uh, solid player for, for the Saracens, uh, basically an older squad player, uh, but he plays a lot when uh, everyone else is away for England. So it really gives them just another strong guy in the engine room, I think. If anything, they're probably one of the teams that doesn't need more locks uh, because it was they had healthy lock depth um, most of the year, and they've re-signed Sol Wuching for three years. Uh, that's a that's a great lock-in right there. And then Faka Osi Pifoletti has also re-signed with the team uh, at Loosehead Prop. I don't really know the length of the extension. I should probably uh, send in a request for that, but. Uh, um, really locking down young players and bringing in the the right kind of older players for San Diego. And Nola in the news as well with a lot of signings. Now, if you guys remember, you know, MLR 2018, Nola had a tough year, second to last finish. 
Um, brought in a lot of people for 2019. Very exciting year. This offseason so far, they've really been um, in crystallizing that team and re-signing talent. So the captain is Eric Howard. has been extended for two years. He's a Canadian international. Uh, Tristan Blewett, who is probably, you know, the you know, one of the top, if not the top, new player in MLR 2019 uh, has been signed to an extension, a three-year extension. He also uh, made news at a Saints New Orleans Saints camp. You know, probably nothing will come of that, but uh, you know, that aside, a three-year extension with the Nola Gold. Um, Kyle Bailey also uh, extended another Canadian international. He is a kind of hybrid can play second row or uh, loose forward uh, has been extended. And Nicola Bursic as well could also play both second row or, or loose forward uh, for a two-year extension. But it all kind of revolves around Nate Osborne, the coach. Um, did a tremendous job turning around a 2018 season into a very successful 2019 campaign. It ultimately fell just short of the playoffs, but for a long time they were in first place. Um, very successful game plan strategy, especially early on. Took teams a long time to adjust, and uh, Nate was rewarded with a three-year extension himself. So Nola is really um, looking to keep that core together that did so much better after 2018 and um, looking like a good, strong competitor for 2020. Hey, hey Aaron, quick question. Um, did all the other teams fall off the face of the earth? I mean, uh, well – so Rooney's pushing some stuff out about merch. Uh, Seattle's pushing some stuff out about merch. Um, Utah's doing a lot of old people photos. Probably should not give out. Uh, everyone who's like submitted their player photos to FaceApp probably should uh, should not because uh, it's you're you're definitely giving license of photos and your data to the Russians. So if you think that this is the <laughs> only time right, this but... is the only time I'll get political here, if you think that Trump had a chance of being subverted uh, by P Putin, uh, the like five million Americans that uh, identify as whatever political thing that have submitted their photos to get aged, um, well, you've just given your data to the Russians, so. Sucks to be you guys. Serious, they had that data already, but <laughs> I look at uh, you know, pictures of a hundred year old Aaron Castro since oh my gosh, I, see, I, this is this is one of the times where I'm glad I'm behind on most trends. I, I was no, I didn't even know what happened. Was I, I was it was just it was really weird. I was like, what the heck are all these photos? I was thinking it was you know, I, I was at the time I was thinking it was a filter from Instagram and I was trying to figure out how. How it worked, and then all of a sudden, I you know, five days into it, it's like, oh, face app, and I'm just, no, and then uh, then Craig hooks me up with a eighty year old photo of me, so yep. there you go. So moving on to the Pacific Nations Cup, uh, I guess we're this is not really uh, an opinion piece; is more of a just conversation between Craig and I. Yeah. I mean, look, Pacific Nations Cup, this is a World Cup year. Um, just a couple of, you know, a high-level overview of the Pacific Nations Cup, if anyone out there is not familiar. 
this is a yearly tournament, though the USA is not in it every year. Um, typically, Samoa, Fiji, Tonga are in it, and then you know, three, two or three other teams are invited. I think usually they, they go for six uh, total teams. Japan is almost always in it. Um, you this year it also features USA and Canada. They're sometimes in it, sometimes not. Other teams that have been in it uh, include Australia, include Georgia. Um, so right now, you know, USA and Canada are both in, along with Japan and the three regulars. To give you a sense of the of the rankings, there, USA is currently ranked 15 in the world. Um, we're playing first Canada, who's ranked 21. We're playing Samoa, who's ranked 16, and we're playing Japan, who's ranked 11th. Um, so that's kind of the background. I think, I think Tonga, I don't have to listen for it. I think Tonga's ranked 10, though. I think they're the highest ranked. Um, Fiji would be the highest ranked. Let me pull that up. But I, like when it comes to the history of the U.S. participation in the Pacific Nations Cup, we've been a part of this a few times. Or And then they had, they, I think they called it, at one point, it was called like the Rim, uh, Rim of the Pacific or something tournament. And every time we've sort of been involved in this for like on a consistent basis. And I think it's going to be different this year. Uh, so Fiji is ranked ninth and Tonga is ranked 13th. And then, so who is, and then Japan is ranked 11th. So those are your, um, I guess the other teams, cause yeah, it's pretty, but, uh, U.S. who's you know, that's right in the range we play yeah. in. So it should be, should be fairly competitive. But, uh, for the U.S., it's like the last time we were a regular, and the last time Canada was a regular as well. You had the the New Zealand Maori uh, playing in this tournament also, and we would just get our butts whooped. So that's when they dropped us, and I think we played three tests that year that they dropped the U.S. and Canada, and you're just wondering, like, we are so scared. And uh, then, you know, all of a sudden we now have the ARC, which gives us consistent hemispherical competition, which is great. Uh, but it's always, I mean, I, I know that I spoke a little bit too soon before this year's ARC when I said, maybe we have outgrown this tournament. <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think, you know, 2018 was so good for the USA. I mean, probably, you know, the best year ever for USA International Rugby. Then now this year has come along and the ARC was rough. We lost to Uruguay. We almost lost to Canada. We got destroyed by the Argentina 15. So, you know, this PNC is really the last chance to do whatever we're going to do before the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be very important as, you know, for momentum, for confidence even, and, you know, as a last chance to put all, all of our systems in place and um, – see how we do against peers because frankly come world cup we're playing tonga and better so you know it, this everyone we play in the world cup is going to be as good as these guys or better so you know we really need to put in a good showing now uh to be ready for the fall i think looking at the this slate of opponents because they're it's really uh, i guess as a single pool it's sort of across it's, it's a bit like the america specific challenge where you're in a pool but then you play across the pool. So you could win all three games and it's based on points and there's no actual semifinal or final uh, of this. But so in theory, like this, this slate of games without previewing Canada yet uh, is it's really a, a slate of winnable games. Canada, Samoa, Japan, historically, uh, we, we just achieved, you know, our first win 
over Samoa uh, in November, uh, which was, you know, we talked about that great year. And, uh, you know, we've beaten Japan um, even in the last decade. So it's not uh, out of, it's like, just because we did poorly against them in the last World Cup, it's not out of, uh, I guess, conceivability that we can beat Japan. I, I think for this is, given the rankings of these opponents, we we have the chance to go in if we execute and we do the, the, the little things that we can go into the, the World Cup uh, pretty confident. So are we, Aaron, Joshua, are we expecting – what are we looking at in terms of first 15 USA available? Are we thinking every test we're going to get AJ McGinty and, you know, the full side, or do we think we're going to be mixing and matching as we go? I, I think with these two Canada games, we're going to try and figure out the, the second Canada game isn't until September. That's a straight World Cup warm-up game. But I think that this first game, we're trying to figure out our bench because uh, you know, we've had the, you and I have had this discussion. Gary team is unlike Mitchell or some other coaches is all about consistency. So I think during I think there's going to be some experimentation, especially on the bench uh, in round one versus Canada, and then I think we're going to try and roll with the the team that is the first choice against Samoa and Japan. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think those are very winnable contests. I mean, look, you know, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the World Cup later on, but, I mean, if those aren't winnable, then what do we look like in the world? I mean, every World Cup team we're going to play is is better than that. So, for sure, I think not only these winnable, but I think we need – I mean, what would be a successful trip? I, I mean – I mean, we only play three games. So, for, for the PNC uh, – if you only beat Canada, I think that's a failure uh, for yeah. what you're attempting to do for this World Cup and based on our last two – our last really our last two years' worth of work since we qualified. The, if we only beat Canada, it, it's not enough. I think, like we've said, these all three games are winnable. I, uh, if you look at it as a success, getting two wins, I want to see – like a win ver- a win versus Canada's it has to be automatic. Yes, they're reinforced with guys like DTH and Tyler Ardrin. Uh, but the difference for us versus them is they will have only been in camp for two weeks and they won't be in Glendale that long. Yeah. Um so- and I should have mentioned this earlier, but for those who don't know, that game is in the US and the other Matches are in Fiji, so that that is the, the one and only home match of the PNC. So, I mean, uh, sort of how we just took Russia last year, uh, you know, out and roasted them at altitude and in the heat. I think it was like 95 degrees uh, during that game um, out at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Uh, it's going to be kind of similar here. At game time, I think it's going to be, you know, 90-ish and – it's, uh, you know, it's it, you got heat and altitude together is a recipe to wear someone down. Whereas, so the Eagles have been in camp at high altitude, went down to Colorado Springs, the Air Force Academy, and they've been, you know, mile high for over seven weeks now. 
for a majority of that squad. And so they've, they've gotten fit. They've gotten their systems honed. It's just a question of who's going to be on that roster when um, it gets released on, on Thursday. So uh, w- what you want to see is, I think, you know, we want to beat Canada pretty, pretty big, I, I would say. But they are a threat because they do have some players back. And they have, a, you know, this gets talked about a lot with the USA. I feel like it gets mentioned less with Canada, but it's probably, you know, equally true for them, which is they have another MLR season under their belts too. I mean, I think you can argue if it's ARC or MLR or what the reasons that USA had such a good 2018 and why they're trending so well, but certainly at least some factor of that has got to be, you would think, this professional league that we can play in, but Canada has a ton of players in that too. And they're also getting that same professional environment that they didn't used to have at, you know, seven day a week in season basis. So I think they're also going to trend up, you know, maybe a little slower. They're not quite as many Canadian players, but that's another reason I think that, you know, they may be doing a little better now than they had, you know, a couple of years ago. We haven't seen the final cuts uh, for the PMC yet from the USA. And I think that should come out uh, likely tomorrow because uh, what was it? 96 hours out, you have to cut your squad down to uh, 28 and then 72 hours out, you have to uh, see then 96 hours out, you have to cut your your squad down to 28. And then in that period, you've got three guys at 72 hours out. um, They go, they go inactive, and so basically, the way the World Cup goes is three guys are traveling injured reserves that just uh, run, hit the track every day until uh, they get called. Until they basically get called up, because you can have, depending on how long that period is, you don't really get to have them train uh, with the team because if it's um, under, if it's four days between matches you only get to have 28 guys active and then it's less and less and less, but ours should come out tomorrow. What that looks like, who the the final 31 are for the Pacific nations cup. And then it, you know, it, it would be interesting, but for Canada, they, they released theirs at the beginning of the, uh, no, like last week. Right. Um, and, What's interesting for them in Kingsley Jones's selection is the amount of players that played MLR that were originally named to the preliminary squad, but that didn't make the PNC, and also the amount of players that are either unattached or still playing amateur rugby that made this this team. And, and there was some commentary from the BC Rugby News that you know, once you get in the doghouse with Kingsley Jones, you don't get out. And I think, you know, I talked to some of these players, like George Barton, he had a great year this year. There's no reason for him not to be traveling uh, on this roster. There's none. Um, why did he not make this roster? Dan Moore, you know, you can yeah. kind of talk about the wings and what he can cover, but he's skillful. Uh, I love Dan Moore. He, he, got, he got cut from the squad, and you're, you're sort of wondering the reason. I also, saw, I also saw on Twitter, I think it was earlier today, actually, that – Kingsley Jones is going to the effect of this is not the World Cup squad, that part of this PNC squad is to test fringe people for the World Cup. So there are people that got cut from this that will be on the World Cup squad that he just knows are in. So 
Well, I think he's just about backs. And I think it was like he said something like there are nine front rows I have to go through. Um, so there, yes, yeah, so there are backs that aren't on this roster that will be going to the World Cup. That, that's kind of interesting because you, I, I mean, I'm not saying. I look at the backs that are on this roster and I go, okay, you know, DTH, Taylor Paris. Well, I, I understand that. But I, you know, he may have said that, but I looked at who the front rows are and these are the front rows. There, these, there's no bolters in these front rows, like Rob Brewer, uh, Hubert Biden's like, these, these are the guys, Jake L. Nicky, Sears Justice Guru. It's kind of funny to, to sort of see a comment like that when, yeah, he has to figure it out, but, if he's trying to figure out who else he's going to take, then why are your first choice guys on this roster? However, you know, they don't go to Fiji until next week. So I guess, uh, you know, Hey, thanks DTH. You're warm. Um, you get to hang out in Langford the rest of the way. Um, don't get injured because, uh, that's the reason why I'm putting you on ice. Um, and we will see you back for the warm up game against, uh, the U.S. in uh, you know in BC place. I, if if that happens, then I'm kind of okay with what they're going to do. They're they're trying to get a win over us based on who they have in their backs. I I don't know. All right, so that's Canada. You mentioned we haven't seen the USA lineup, but when the USA lineup does come out, who who's our starting front row? I assume top, you know Joe Defette is locked in at two. Who's our starting loose head? Who's our starting tight end? <laughs> loose head's kind of weird. Uh, Eric Fry is back. He's training, but he did not make any selections uh, with Rossing Van this year in the second half after his uh, after he recovered from surgery. But I know Gary; he does a lot of small things that you know less experienced players don't do. And they've got four guys competing at loosehead right now: Eric Fry, Chance Wingleski. David Ayunu and even Ali Khalifi has, uh, you know, he's now in camp, which, uh, so four guys there, uh, at tight head, it's, um, Dino Waldron. Who's your starter? Oh, who's my starter? Uh, You start, who do you think Gary Gold is going to start? Uh, so honestly, if I'm, if I can get my way, David Ayunu is starting, honestly. Um, but I think Eric Fry probably is going to get the start. Really? Uh, yeah. He, he, when he's been available, he was the starter for Gary, and, and Gary is very high on him as a player. So I think if he's really fit and his form has been good and, you know, they've had seven weeks, uh, you know, he probably starts in this game. All right. In- interesting. I, I agree. I, my guy would be David Ainu. I think – what is he, 19 years old? I mean, you yeah. – you know, maybe talk about tight end in a second, but yeah, I knew a loose head, TD Lamas and Telly at tight head. Those are, you know, a 19 year old, I think, and like a 26 year old prop. I mean, that not only for this World Cup, that could be, uh, those could be anchors to your scrum for two more, maybe even three more World Cup cycles down the road. That's, well, I, I, I don't know about three more World Cups, but two more World Cups. For sure. For sure. So I would put TT at 34. I mean, that's, yeah. that's doable. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, maybe. for sure. I think, and you know, with, I, so Dino Waldron didn't get called directly to camp. He is on the like preliminary training roster, but he was in the, there was 10 selected players that, mm-hmm. uh, were would not assemble at this time they said 
And so that left Paul Mullen and was Patty Ryan on the roster? I forget. Um, but he was on the expanded roster. Um, so, but yeah, I, I don't remember seeing his name on the roster. So you basically had Paul Mullen and Tito Mostelli. And given TD's form, he's been, he started in the Champions Cup, started in the Premiership, a bunch of fixtures this year. That's your guy. Like, that, is, that is your guy uh, at uh, at three. So, yeah. who do you got in in second row? I'm a I'm a Nick Savetta guy. Uh, who else do I want in second row? Um, you know, I, I may go Peterson, Nick Savetta, and Peterson. See, I think with the way I'm going with this, it would be. Samu Manoa retire, international retirement really changed up a lot of like how how I think the second row would go. And David Tamala wasn't called into camp, uh, so and neither was and Mant Jensen was not named on the PNC, the preliminary World Cup roster, but he would have been the other person I might have called in. So, um, yeah, I it's hard to argue with that. The only I would go with. Um. Yeah, I I, I know that it, it was he was on the like. Josh is like trying to hit, issue me corrections. There were there was fifty guys, forty of which were called in for the PNC, and ten which would not assemble at this time. And David Tamalau was not called in from that roster of ten at this juncture. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I'd go with that. The uh, I I'd go. Uh, I go with Nick at four and, and Peterson at five. Peterson's, although he's six foot eight, he is insanely strong. The only other one I would go with, if it was going to be different, would be uh, Landry at four. I mean, that would be the only difference. But I, I uh, think that is such an asset in the lineout. I mean, yeah, especially in that 2018 stretch, he was so good in a ball. I feel like, you know, Without him, at the set we always struggle on set piece, especially against tier one or tier one and a half nations. To me, I just I think you just got to have Savetta in there. I think having two giants as the you know two two giants in there because because Landry six he's a shorter number four. He's more like he's a hybrid four six more or less, uh, but he's stronger. He's he's a strong boy. But I think with the way we're going internationally, it, it is. It is Greg and Nick. I, I've I liked them as a pair before during last year, so I, I think I would go there as well. How about how about the scrum half battle? I think yeah, you know, I, I have no idea really what Gary Gold is planning for the nine shirt, but I feel like that maybe between last year and this year, this position where there's been the most change of the landscape. You know, like a year ago, there's no way I would have said Augsburger is gonna be Starting nine right now, I think I'm starting him if I'm the coach. Um, uh, so this is where we'll, we'll all get in trouble, I guess. Uh, I might start to Haas, honestly. Um, I, I, yeah, me too. I, I think he, yeah, I, 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 I like his service, um, his service to the ruck and managing the ruck and the scrum, and then his ball speed, uh, is great. Is really good, and he's different. He's not a small nine. He's he's more or less in that 
traditional, what it has become a traditional South African mold. If you go all the way back to Juice Van de Westhuizen, uh, even you know JP Smith uh, this year, uh, a tall length, a tall stocky. I mean, they're not lanky or at all. You know, they're about six one, six two, and they're physical guys. And I, I might go there uh, because, but I see your point. A year ago, Nate Augsburger's form was not – I mean, to the point he got pushed to the wing and Nick Boyer was starting ahead of him. This year, he honed his skills at nine, fixed it well, – I wouldn't say fixed his service, but his ball, speed, his ball speed got better. His instincts for his quick carries got better. And God forbid a box kick. His box kicking got better. But mm-hmm. – uh, So yeah, – I, I mean, uh, you know – a year ago, Sean Davies was the locked in. Yeah, right? yeah. So I mean, a year ago, it was it was Davies all day, right? And now it's it, there's a real toss up. I think of the MLR based nines, I thought Augsburger had a much better season um, than Davies did. Like there is no debate on that. Uh, so right now, if if I'm picking, it's I'd go honestly, I'd go to Haas just because. Youth wins the day, and if we're building for the long term, uh, you know, Davies and, and Nate the Great are also like 30 apiece, you know. So I think uh, someone's going to get me, correct me, but they're both older, and Ruben DeHaas is 20. So Mike oh, Petri also made the 50 man roster, yeah. Mike Petri making the 50 man roster was, uh, was, was an inspiration. Uh, I gotta say too, uh, so, so did old man Lou Stanfield. But yeah, He's another crazy. guy, another guy that wasn't called in uh, when you know we dropped the lock. So uh, yeah, I I would just say DeHaas has played a lot in the, the development competition that they have. They in in South Africa, I forget what it's called, but academy systems in uh, South Africa are so developed. Uh, he, you know, he's made the traveling roster, well, traveling squad, not the, the roster uh, in the Pro 14 with the Cheetahs, uh, but he's gone on a lot of road trips to learn. But he's been the, for his, uh, I guess it's the under 21 competition in, in South Africa, he's been starting a but like he's started like every fixture for the Cheetahs. So I, I, that is such a high skill and high level competition to, you know, take the, the starting shirt there that, you, I, you know, I, I, I'm just going to stick it with it, especially like in November, uh, you know, Sean Davies got injured and he won the smoke game. Like have like Ruben DeHaas had to show up, you know, uh, he could, if he didn't show up, we would have probably gotten our butt. And then he played very well, uh, you know, against Romania also. So. Right. What about back three? I think that's, uh, Who's your who's your starting back three? Um, so the so the starting back three is is pretty simple here with no Matias. Uh, I think we're gonna go. Uh, I, I think we're definitely going Marcel Brocky at eleven, uh, Blaine Scully at fourteen, and Mikey Teo at fullback. Uh, no, will uh, Huli at fullback? Ah. Uh, I mean, they're different players, honestly. Um, Mikey has shown a lot of skills this year. 
uh, in that he's sometimes only shown in sevens. Uh, but uh, I, you know, for a while I thought Will Hoodley was going to be the knockdown starter at fullback until he took over at 10. But uh, I, I just got to go with the more dynamic ball carrier. So no Madison Hughes at fullback? Don't. Don't don't do that to me. No, no. But I guess we skip the back row. Um, I guess we're gonna we uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to the well, back I, row. I, now. I think Honko and Cam are locked in there. It's just a matter of who you put at the other one. Uh, and, well, no. I said based on who's available. I said uh, Jamison. I love Honko. I'm not sure he's locked in anymore. I mean, is he even fit? When was the last time he played? Oh, he's fit. He he's he's been in camp and he's he was he's he's been out of the boot and everything. I think if just based on Gary's tendencies, I wouldn't pick John Quill, but I think Gary's going to pick John Quill. I would put Jamison Vaughn on a Schultz six right now, like straight. Like I would go there. He had some great form in those last five games where he played very well. Uh, and John Quill going back to the fall in, in the autumn internationals was doing things in the scrum. You should not do as a six. And this is called coming unbound and moving forward on the scrum and acting like a third prop. And that stuff pisses me off. So in the, like towards the, towards the second half of the season, he was committing a lot of penalties, which, you know, last the previous season, he really cleaned up his game. Uh, so I, where I think is it's going to settle in, yeah, I think it's going to be Quill Lamborn because Lamborn is part of the leadership group on this team, and uh, it's going to be Dolan. Um, no Psalm being in the starting lineup either? Um, no, because Psalm hasn't been in camp and is apparently going to France next week, according to his Twitter. He's going to, you know, go uh, to the south of France and kick it on the beach. No, no Malon? I, I think Malon is in the mix. I really I really do, but uh, it's sort of a question of Malon, Jamison, and Hanko vying for either one or two shirts uh, on, on the bench, given how Gary splits the roster – uh, I think Hanko is just going to be there um, as the as a reserve loose forward. And if there's a second spot, it's a question of who should, proves to be the more dynamic player in camp. Is it Malon, who's a freak? Or is it Jama, who had really good form? For some reason, Malon was in the doghouse and didn't play a lot for Glendale, um, even though when he did play this year, he played very well. So, Hanko? No, Malon. Oh. Yeah. I thought he played most of. The- no, he didn't. He didn't earn a lot of starts. He played a lot. Oh, he came off the bench. Yeah, he played a lot behind William Monroe, which was. I mean, Monroe played okay, but. Okay, let, me, let, let me throw a wrench in the mix. Even though he's not showing up for PNC, what about Henning? Um, I don't think really any of those guys that are previously uncapped, um, actually, that are on the, I guess, will not assemble are actually going to get capped uh, on the next four games. If there's an injury, uh, but I do not with 
seeing that there are basically it's you know Quill, Lamborn, Dolan, Jamison, Anko, like seeing a lot of them in camp. Um, it's I, I don't really see a lot of other back rows, which is which surprises me specifically because of uh, because Samu's retirement. So um, now let's move to not much, not much eight, you know, number eight depth. I mean, besides Cam Dolan, you know, who's a primary, who's the first position is number eight, maybe Malin Algebori, but I mean, there's really no like pure eight other than Cam Dolan. Um, so who you got at, uh, at fly off? I mean, this is an easy one, right? Yeah, I mean AJ McGinty if he'll if he'll come play for us. <laughs> we have if he's not available for all three games or gets hurt. Yeah, I think I, to me Will McGee is is not the second choice. Um, uh, yeah, I think I, it'd probably be Will Hooley for me would be the backup to AJ McGinty. So I thought that, and I, I just based on the previous selections, but Will, McGee played due to injury to Hooley. McGee then basically slotted in and started uh, at fly half and did okay during the ARC. Like he 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 gave you a Will McGee game, and Will Hooley gave you a Will Hooley game. I think Will Hooley has a little bit more, uh, but. We definitely don't have another fly half anywhere like a Hodge at all. No. Yeah, like, we, we just don't. But the three on the roster are Aj, McGee, and Ben Seema. Uh, ben Seema is not a symbol um, for the PFC. Yeah. So you've got Will Hooley, who is a 10. He's a 10, but he plays fly. He plays fullback. Let's just let's get real. He's a fly half. That is playing fullback on this roster because it's the second five eights um, uh, position out there. So, um, and then to finish, Craig, who do you got in the centers? This is probably the easiest. <laughs> the easiest yeah, I mean, no, no reason to go against uh, you know the the CK Campbell combination. You know, I, I honestly, I, I will say, I thought, I mean, they didn't be doing well, but. I thought this early, you know, ARC, they were going to break out. And they really didn't. Um, I think, well, Sika got a red card in one game. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing them get a little back on track in my mind. But, you know, I don't think there's anyone taking those spots from them. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's Lasique and Campbell. I thought, uh, uh, who, who, I guess Martin Yosefo was named as a center. I thought that was kind of yeah. weird because he's a wing. Lava. Um, yes, Palamo is in the squad. He was hanging up to uh, he and um, he and Joe Tafete were walking around the mall, and some woman uh, asked if they played for the Broncos today, and took. And they were like, "No, no, we play rugby." Huh. She's like, "No, I, I will. I'm going to take a photo and say I met a bunch of Broncos at the mall." So that happened today. Um, so that was funny. <laughs> um, it makes it I, better I think, when the Broncos are in training camp too. So yeah, I think for centers though, we actually have some good depth here. Uh, Gaining more threatened Palamo on the back end. Um, so, but yeah, there's no, there's really nothing to. I, I don't think anyone has raised their hand so high to take a job from a guy who. 
um, helped promote a team out of, uh, you know, the championship to premiership in Bryce Campbell, who basically they rode him at 13 pretty hard um, at London Irish. Like he started a bunch of games and Lasique, well, he, he's played a few games for Harlequins, but uh, it's, it's been more of a premiership cup season for him because it's just kind of harder at, in the premiership. So, yeah, didn't Lasique get knocked out on the NBC? Uh, oh man, the NBC Prime <laughs> game. Oh my gosh! Oh, uh, and he's out. So. I think it was within the first like twelve minutes too. It was, it was pretty yeah. good. So, um, so, so we got over who we picked. So how do you think this game is going to go against Le Rouge? I mean, I think, you know, I think we win. I think a fairly comfortable win. I, I'd like to see the lineup before making a final prediction. But let, let's say, uh, you know, I, I'd say USA by 15. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Canada's always a threat. And they have some other – like DTH is back. Well, last time we played them with DTH, we kind of ripped them a new one. So maybe not. Um, I, I, I'd have to think based on conditions uh, on game, on match day, that we will be able to execute at a much higher level than they are because they are less prepared. They've only been in camp for, you know, eight days. Uh, so I, I definitely – I think we, we we have as close to a tier one preparation as we could have. I have no idea how we funded that. No clue. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd say I say fifteen. Mm, I think seventeen is a good line in this game. Oh, I'll say I'll say twelve. Twelve's mm. probably good, bro. All right. Close, close uh, shot grouping there. It's just really hard to look at Canada and and expect. I mean, we we played kind of we played like crap, but we also had a horrible ref in Seattle when we played them. Um, they barely made it through the repechage to qualify, and then they had, in general, other than our game, they had a bad ARC. So. Maybe Kingsley is going with a less is more approach. But I don't know. I'm sure I think uh, the thing going against us the most is just, I mean, how many times in a row have we beaten Canada now? It dates back to 2014, I think. I mean, at some point, that streak is going to have to end. Uh, it's almost like a law of averages argument. That, that's really what gives me the most uh, concern. I, I don't think, yeah, you know, talent wise, preparation wise, um, I think USA should be winning. Well, yeah. well here, here's a question for you. How much impact do you think Boris has had in two weeks? Who? Um, give me – they brought in the rugby coach from last oh, year. That's that's what I got to say about bringing in a scrum coach for eight days. Uh, although we've had – I think we've had two scrum coaches in camp. We've had uh, Sean Pittman and Stevie Scott – the U, the former Utah scrum coach who was a scrum coach and head coach at, at Edinburgh and the scrum was the scrum coach of Scotland. So I think, uh, you know, when it comes to scrummaging, we will be just fine. Just fine. 
However, I do not think Canada will be just fine there. I think, but the interesting thing for Canada is going to be their lock choice because they've got Tyler Archer they've got Evan Olmstead. So it'll be interesting. Um, moving they, on. They released the Larson brothers, didn't they? Yeah, but I'm there. They weren't weren't first choice at all. So let's just get real. Uh, so Craig, moving on. Um, the easy stuff. Uh, questions from Bob. I guess uh, go Tom N one twenty twenty salary cap. Uh, what do you got on this? Me? Uh, I mean, I haven't heard anything specifically. I, you know, last year I think the salary cap was four fifty. Presumably, it's going to go up. I mean, look at who San Diego signed. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I have no sense of what the salary cap should be. Um, every team seems like they should be over the salary cap based on who they've signed so far. So I don't know about European players, but it amazes me how little some guys in, in – well, how little the guys in, in the minor 10 uh, make. Uh, so you can sign guys that have been capped – and aren't really making the super rugby team, super rugby teams out of the minor 10 that are high quality players uh, for, you know, non decent contracts in MLR. It's guys that are coming out of Europe that I have questions about, like Stefan Armitage, Matthew Besterode, uh, and, uh, you know, Dominic Day, guys who are on over, you know, over 100K. That's who are on yeah. 150K. 200k what uh, you know why are they wanting to come to the u.s is it to just hang out on the beach uh apparently apparently climate climate was dominic day's <laughs> pure decision because he uh he said it i heard it was like wales in san diego <laughs> yeah well do, yeah do, i do assume we... with that well yeah it was just because he was coming to the best city uh in the world in new york but overcrowded um, city and... it, it's all the, it's all the hot dog stands on the corners I think he, he there's got. I want to see his face on like every Nathan's, uh, every every Nathan's stand. Like not. I'll Ben Voda got here. Ben got or got announced. You know, last off season, and he's been here, and I don't think he gets recognized that much by non rugby people, but. The day Bassero signed, he walked from the French consulate to the hotel where they had the signing ceremony, which was maybe a five-minute walk. And the guy got stopped, I don't know, half a dozen times by French New Yorkers that recognized him. So he, he's a very recognizable guy. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's going to be yeah, a he's, he's got tip dreads. He's got tip dreads. Yeah. And he's gigantic. Well, yeah, yeah actually, man. that's – that's one of the things Foden actually mentioned in the, um, the video rugby passed in on him was that it was nice to like not be recognized by that. So basically it's like playing for sale. Got it. <laughs> don't get, don't get recognized in Manchester. Um, so yeah, it, it's going up. I've heard two figures and both of them are not a lot. Uh, I don't have anything concrete, but if anyone has a concrete stuff, um, get after uh, go Tom. And again, um, asks, is anyone targeting South African players since Saru changed the contracting model and over 200 players are out of contracts? 
Yeah, I mean, I think they were targeting South African players before that too. I mean, Tristan Blewett's a South African guy. Yeah, I think it seems to me that they're looking pretty broadly, you know, to all pockets of players. So, you know, seems like we're attracting a, a decent variety, and I expect that can, to continue, including South Africa. So, so, so who Are is South African players left? <laughs> so who is it, right? Um, go tell him again for his third question. Are there any news on coaching vacancies? Are we finally starting to target higher caliber coaches? Um, no movement, as far as I can tell. Um, recruitment is ongoing, though. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of teams that will get new coaches that will have to shape whatever systems they run around the strengths of their players. Yep, agreed. I, I haven't seen or heard any official changes. Some of the, the rumors I've heard have been, you know, attractive names. I think will be good additions to the league. Nobody, you know, nobody world famous really, but uh, I, I think the coaching staff, just like everything else, is getting better every year. They're learning, and uh, just like I expect the players to keep improving, I think the coaching, you know, staffs and contributions will continue to get better. Well, think about this. Think about how many teams need coaches. Utah, them. Austin, Houston, uh, DC. Seattle. So there's at least Seattle. So there's at least five teams. In theory, I mean, I've, I haven't really heard anything about Seattle. I, I mean, the intent seems to be to hire a different coach. It's just kind of weird. They just won a championship, but you know, whatever. I uh, thought it was. I thought he was going to come back after whatever I have, season. I have no idea. I really, I really um, don't. So it, it conceivably, we're looking at five different teams, maybe six, waiting on an announcement uh, to hit. Uh, but you could say half the conceivably, it's almost half the league needs coaches, and that recruitment for next season, uh, based based on the expansion player allocation draft thing that's going on uh is is going on right now so yeah it's still so, going on wow so all right um so robert gibbs one asks you craig uh if the mlr had been founded at the same time as the pro leagues around the world late 90s early 2000s where do you think it would stack up today compared to the others I mean, that's a good question. That's kind of like asking where will the MLR be in 20 years? Uh, you know, that plus maybe even a little more handicap today because we're, we're a little behind. I mean, I like to think that if there'd been professional rugby here for the last, you know, 25 plus years or whatever, that we'd be in a place where we're, you know, clearly tier one, MLR would be, uh, you know, a, a roughly equivalent type league to the others. Um, but I think that's a gamble. I mean, that's that's what people who support MLR are betting on, right? They're saying there is a market here for it. You know, there's got to be some sort of customer education. People need to learn the game. But once they do, they'll love it. The market will grow. It'll be strong. I happen to be in that camp. I am a believer of that philosophy. But um, I'm sure there are doubters out there who say or would say, you know, it's just not a game for us. We have other sports. It'll never break through, in which case – even if it had started in the 90s, you know, and maybe something like, I don't know when Major League Lacrosse started, uh, you know, definitely by the 2000s, I would say, you know, it could 
in a downside be just something like that that drags on, continues to exist, but never really uh, gains critical mass? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to know. It could, you know, be like mired and stuck like lacrosse is, and we could end up, we, it could just be sit somewhere like, like the Romanian Superliga is, or it could be the highest paid league in the world uh, where everyone wanted to come here. So um, Bob Boberson, um wants to know, Specifically about Utah. Hey, 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 Bob, you are hiring two people, a director of rugby and a head coach, and I've got nothing. And then I guess, uh, what, Craig, do you have anything on Utah? Uh, no, I don't. Um, so, and the final question, at no rugby uh, and goes by rugby novice on Twitter. Uh, how many teams, nations, and do they qualify for it? And this is in regards to Pacific Nations Cup. Uh, this is seen as a warm-up for the World Cup? Question mark. Yeah. So this is a warm-up for the World Cup for the U.S. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, so I don't want to repeat too much. But, uh, you yeah, know, there are six teams this year. USA is one of the six. They're not always one of the six. Um, so it's not, you don't have to qualify for it per se, but the three teams that are always in it, Tonga, Fiji, and Samoa, and then the other three teams in any given year are invited. Um, so this particular year, the USA was invited, but there was no official qualification requirement. Yeah. So, um, it, it, there's never a qualification, um, requirement so far for the PNC. Uh, it's basically who World Rugby selects to go in there with Fiji, Tonga, and Samoa. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a higher level tournament than, uh, you know, whatever else we would be playing. And World Rugby basically did us a favor by assigning us opponents so that we wouldn't have to beg with our brokenness because the union is broke and say, will you please, please, please come play us? Or will you let us play you? Because we can't play, pay you any money. Yeah, that happened with the Australia game. They weren't a lot of money. Um, so that's supposed to be on the West Coast. And, uh, yeah. There you go. Ooh, breaking news. Breaking news. Um, where did you see that, Josh? It's on Twitter. It's on, the, it's on their website. Oh. So, Zach Finolio, I think we kind of – heard here first. We, we kind of knew that one was like we kind of knew he retired. It was really weird. It was a Utah home game, and there was a Utah player retiring, but the broadcast didn't touch on John Wayne Cullen at all. It's like they didn't really care to tell um, – like Utah didn't care to tell um, CBS that John Cullen, a U.S. Eagle, was retiring. So they focused really only on Zach Finolio. Kind of weird. Um, Casey Rock. Did he even play a game this year? Casey Rock would have been nice as a as a healthy second row option. Um, I, I think he played. I think he was on the bench on maybe a couple of the first couple of weeks, but and after that, nothing that you know six foot niner would have been. And he's relatively young, so maybe he's just like, thanks, Dave. You can have your short locks. I'm out. Oh, oh wait, Dave's gone. Well, uh, yeah. I'm still out because if you're not going to use me, 
them out, bro. And then Peter Dahl also retires for a long year. Uh, you know, if anything, he had a renaissance this year. It's kind of sad to see the old man uh, hang it up. And then I thought Maximo Deacheval was officially retiring last year, but I guess he's officially retiring again and will now move into coaching full-time for Glendale. So there's that. Um, yes, uh, sort of to sort of to talk about qualifications of the PNC, Oceania Rugby is even further behind than RAN is, uh, whereas RAN likely in um, Sud America Rugby has the America's uh, Rugby Challenge, which – will allow the winner of that eventually, I think not this year in 2020, but in 2021, the winner of the America's Rugby Challenge will either get promoted directly or will play a promotion playoff match against the loser or the the last place team in the ARC for promotion. And that will happen in 2021. So that's where, uh, you know, we are where we are uh, in in I guess America's rugby, but that is not the case in Oceania rugby. Um, I think Bill Beck, Benjamin Rush. Uh, what's a successful win loss record uh, for USA rugby in the Rugby World Cup? Uh, Craig and I have two different answers, so I'll let him go first. Yeah, then this is something we've debated offline at length before this, uh, you know, over the past weeks and months. But to me, I think the bare minimum for a successful Rugby World Cup in 2019 is one win. We, you know, every team we're going to play most likely will be ranked ahead of us. We'll see how the summer internationals go. But likely every team we play will be ranked ahead of us. We win one game. To me, that's success. We won zero matches in the last World Cup. We've only won, I think, three or something in all of all time. And the World Cup's only been around for 30-some-odd years. But um, we haven't done very well. So I think one win, I'll be happy. I think two wins or even a win, a tie, you know, a win, a tie, um, I think I come home pretty, you know, pretty pleased overall. I think that's a, a huge success for USA Rugby. So, you know, when you look at the schedule – Tonga is the most likely um, win. So then, you see, you know, if we assume we can win that game, yeah, you know, France, Argentina, England, a win or a tie against any of those three plus a win over Tonga, I think is a dramatic success for the USA. Yeah. So I'm, I guess this is where I fall into it's all about the process. It's all about the process. Rugby coaches all like to talk about process, and it annoys the heck out of me because guess what? In America, they're about wins and losses um, over time, right? So last World Cup, uh, when they uh, when they lost, um, you know, all those games, uh, it like the result, like doing that against South Africa, like just laying an egg. And this is where I don't, I don't want to go out and forcibly lay eggs. I want to be consistent so that we can prepare to win a game. The problem is, is that as the lowest ranked team, I think, no, not the, we're not the lowest ranked team when it came to seeding. We, we qualified ahead of Tonga uh, for that. But we still have, I would say, the most difficult roster where we play – England, France, Argentina, 
And then on short rest, we play Tonga, which would be, I mean, I know people talk about targeting a game, but you can't really target a game you're on short rest for. You can if you if you sit, yeah, spare people in the game before that. Yeah, but you really want to warm up for that game, in theory. So this is where I'm all about. I'm all about consistency, and I think about it this way. In the end, it depends on who you rest, right? Who are you actually resting? Because if you're resting your fly half and your fly half's healthy, and you do that, which Tolkien did against South Africa. You, you, if you rest, if your weapons are healthy, your weapons need to play. So then it depends on what tools do you rest? Do you rest a center? Do you rest a prop? I, I would probably look at resting some front, some front rows, a lock, a back row. But I'm probably saying, AJ, we ride and we dying, son. You know, that that's me. And we didn't do that the last World Cup, and it, it it kicked our ass because of that. But rest can take a lot of forms, too. I mean, rest doesn't need to be we start a whole new 15 or people don't play. It could mean A.J. McGinty plays the first 40 and then he sits the second half. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to get rest in there that isn't just throw the game away, you know, start a different you – know, Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about minutes management. So if you can figure out a way and you're just like – getting wrecked right and you have some key players that you need to pull that use your bench i am one of the biggest proponents of use your bench because some coaches don't like to use your bench so yeah i i really so i really want to be consistent throughout this world cup i do want to win i think if we can be consistent and we can compete and we get a win i look at that as successful I do not look at this as successful if we get murdered in three games and win, beat Tonga by a point. Because if we get murdered in three games, we could reset some stuff that you don't really want reset, if that makes sense. So would you rather lose four, but all four be close? Or win one and then get blown out three times. I just said I don't want to get mollywopped in three games. Yeah, but you, you probably don't want to lose all four either. So which do you not want more? Um, I don't want to get mollywopped in three games more than, uh, you know, a, a close win. Because So if we get our butts whooped in three games, but then we also turn around and kick Tonga's butt. Like we beat them by 20 points. I can live with that. I can't live with losing by 50 points to France, Argentina, and England and win by a point over Tonga. Like there is context surrounding this for me. Like if we, if we lose three and we're relatively competitive in those and we also win one, I'm, I'm okay with that. But the context is if I don't want to lose by 50 points to each one of those teams – because yeah. then that shows – then that that actually shows we have gone backwards, really, okay. I think. So we, the other teams in our pool are tier ones in England, France, and Argentina. Out of those three, who are we most likely to beat? France? I think France. France, because they're so inconsistent and their coaching yeah. staff is a joke. But to be honest, let's get real. Uh, like Jacques Brunel had a, had a player revolt. On his hands during the autumn internationals. 
Yeah. So uh, totally the volatility of France. I mean, you just cast them on a bad week. And then, I mean, you, then you cut like a longtime captain in Basterode from the team. Uh, he wasn't the captain recently, but you're cutting a significant figure within that team. It, it shows. I don't really know what it shows from there. They're, they're just France. I mean, France could also go to the semifinal again. You know, like that's that's what could happen. If we had a, if we had a better schedule and we had more rest in between the Argentina game and the Tonga game, I'd probably be like, yeah, you know, rest a bunch of players. Fuck it, you know, let's let's do it. But we have three days in between Argentina and Tonga. That's tough. But I mean, it, and I, obviously, no one wants to lose by fifty. And I, I don't think you know if we actually lost by fifty every game, that'd be extreme. That would be disappointing. I, I don't know how I'd feel about that margin. But in reality, what's the spread of those? Uh, yeah, Tonga's should be a pretty close contest to the bookies, to the bookmakers. But I mean, what are the spreads against England, Argentina, and France? I mean, we have to be twenty-plus point underdogs for each of those, right? I mean, I mean they're. If we don't get blown out, that would be doing better than expectations. So do, do you know what's funny? Is I think we'll be bigger underdogs versus Argentina than England. Why? I just That's just my feeling. Like I have a feeling we'll be bigger underdogs against Argentina. Oh, well, I mean, that only happens is if we get our butt whooped in the first two games. <laughs> you know what I haven't looked at, which would be interesting? Who plays the USA on short rest? Like is there is there another team that's going to rest their players against the USA, thinking that's an easier win um, between the you know the big three that we play? That that may change my answer about who we're most likely to beat. I mean, um, if there's a short rest game for Argentina right before us, that may that may change my answer. Let's let's look at this right now. Um, all right, all right. So pool, we are pool C. Old death. All right, so, so France. Uh, play. So they play. Oh my gosh! I want some of that life. France has over a week between the time they play Argentina and they play us. These. And who they what after us? They play someone right after us. So they have sh- they'll have short rest between their game Tonga like our game and when they play Tonga, which so they play Tonga four days after ours. We get Argentina uh, four days. So Argentina will be on short rest. They will play England. Oh man, Oof. we get Argentina and England on short rest. Well. Yeah, well, it, the I mean, you get it's a five day window for the England game, but the real one is Argentina will have had only three days. So I guess right. if, you, if you if you're going to target a game, uh, let's just target the last two. Let's just throw the kitchen sink at the freaking wall because Argentina is 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 either going to be tired or they're going to rest players because they're going to play their best against England. Right, you think, or they're going to rest players against England, and they're going to put push their their first side out, and you know, you know, give us the boom handle. So you're not going to rest players. Last match is their last match. So yeah, um, 
yeah, that's that's a problem. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that about wraps it up for. Uh, oh, oh, oh! Never mind. There is another one. Flippity floppy ten. Um, any word on expanding the ref pool? I've heard no word, Aaron. So yes, there was a press release from Naira and D1A last week. Last week, uh, the National Intercollegiate Rugby Association and D1A for men's rugby uh, has established a joint pathway with Major League Rugby for high-performance refs. So if you want to become a ref, it's a domestic pathway for Amer- for American refs. If you want to become an, a ref in major in ref major league rugby fixture and be get become one of those people, you have to get in the D1A ref pool and then be identified um, as hey, you know, I, I want to move forward as a ref. I want to be a high performance ref, and you get in the D1A ref pool or the Naira ref pool, and you ref those games, you will be put on tr- on the track to become an MLR referee. So we are creating a specific funnel from uh, Naira, so the NCAA women's program uh, for rugby, and the top uh, men's collegiate club competition uh, in D1A. That is the pathway to ref in Major League Rugby, which actually should provide a lot of the current Major League Rugby refs also some off-season matches that they have to ref, some high-performance matches that they have to ref, and they'll be sharper for when uh, time comes uh, to go AR a match uh, in MLR. I I know a couple of them do that now anyway, because I I remember, didn't Summers do the – Scott yeah, but that it wasn't a it wasn't a pathway. This is an official pathway. Uh, like uh, Alejandro Villanueva uh, is the Nerfu Rest Association president. She just refed her first international women's test uh, down uh, in Australia versus Australia versus Japan. Uh, she AR'd a bunch of MLR games last year, but she is like on track to be an MLR referee at this juncture. She's high performance, like all, all the, all the BS that you need to do. But just because people were refing those games, there wasn't a pathway in existence and that pathway now exists. So kind of cool. Um, it should expand uh, the domestic referee pool. Oh, by professionalizing the system quite a bit um, for MLR think that about does it for questions so any last thoughts guys no um it's canada hate week so be canada well craig why don't you tell people people where they can find you uh you can find me on twitter at american rfc um and i write for a website the runner sports um so those are the easiest places to find me Well, on our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests. They do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Be sure to tune in whenever we decide to come back. Um, We're usually live each Monday night. Um, We will be? Yes, we will be back next week. We will cover the PNC. However... um, 
Try to get one more show in before. Yeah. So uh, Google has finally decided to kill this platform. Um, so you will find us at least every Wednesday on SoundCloud. But we will get one more show live. And then we are going to figure out how to continue our live broadcasting on Monday nights, whether it is via this uh, on YouTube or on Facebook Live. We will uh, keep you updated, but you will continue to get us through the PNC. We will take another break uh, then before focusing on the Rugby World Cup in the autumn. All right. Well, now that we have that, be sure to tune in next week. Um, We are live on YouTube each Monday night and available on each podcast, favorite podcast platform every Monday morning or Wednesday morning, excuse me. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds. It helps other folks find us. And be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on Reddit. You can find us at reddit.com slash r slash mlrebby. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then. Thank you.